We are live on the Win Daily Show. Opening day is only hours away. I'm Jason Mizrahi from WinDailySports.com, and I'm paired with the one and only Adam Strangers. Adam, I know those are Pittsburgh colors right there, but what's going on with your Pirates, man? I got my Mets gear on. How do you feel about your Pirates, man? I mean, listen, I have the Pirates tattoo, and that's about all I really want at this point because this team sucks. <laughs> Opening day is always, always kind of fun, but, you know, when you're a Pirates fan, there's only so much fun you can really take out of it at this point. You know, they, they send, remember, a, they send uh, crews down to work in left field, and they immediately stick them in shortstop. Cool. I remember Very some cool. good days, opening day. My mom used to allow me to cut school, take a train to a Met game, have a couple of cocktails, underaged, and watch a game. And there's nothing like opening day. Your teams are fresh. There's some hope in the air, especially being a Met fan. We get like two weeks of like fun before it all derails. And it looks like it's already derailed for us with the Grom and Scherzer already possibly both being on the DL. But we got a nice little slate, man. I feel like a, a hibernating bear because I'll be honest, the NBA season has been pretty tough to watch. I'm just happy the Lakers have not made the playoffs. That's a big win for me because I'm not a LeBron guy. But I'm really excited about MLB, man. We'll see a lot more of me. I don't know if everybody's going to be happy with that, but we'll see a lot more of me. We're going to be doing these shows every single night leading up to the following slate, so you'll be able to go back and check it out. We're going to also load this as a podcast, so make sure you search Win Daily Sports on all your podcast outlets. We'll have a daily show going on Monday through Friday for sure. And like I said, we're going to try to get ahead of the competition, do our research the night before. And really lock in on, on some of these plays the night before. Obviously, we'll make some tweaks going at tomorrow morning. But for the most part, MLB is a great game to play at DFS because you can get into it the night before. Do some real research. And Adam, unlike NBA, you can actually build a lineup the night before and make a solid lineup and maybe make one or two tweaks. Not like NBA where you have to start have to fresh blow everything every- up. <laughs> yeah, every five minutes, which is quite annoying. So let's get right started. Adam, you do probably, I'm not going to say the best, but one of the best pitching articles all around, man. And I'm excited to read it. You got one up already a couple days ahead. But let's talk about one of the first aces of the slate. If you're playing on FanDuel, they have included the 2 o'clock game, the Brewers and the Cubs. Talk about your boy Burns. Is he the ace of the slate up on FanDuel? Yeah, one, 100%. If you're on FanDuel, there's really not much of a discussion uh, on the ace tier about who you're looking to play. Not only just because Corbin Burns is the reigning NL Cy Young winner, but he couldn't draw a much better matchup right out of the gate. You know, you, you don't want to get too caught up in last year's numbers, and, and you want to kind of make the transition into this year as quickly as you can to start combining these. But for the Cubs, like, we don't have a sample size. You know, it's first day of the season. And last year, man, they were one of the worst teams in baseball against right-handed pitching. They struck out the most. They averaged almost 10 strikeouts a game. I mean, it should be a righty-heavy lineup, which is in big favor for Burns. 0.44 home run for nine, 215 Woba, 36% K rate last season. The guy was just almost untouchable. And, well, yeah, maybe Burns just had his career year. There's certainly no reason to project him to be, you know, that far off the pace from what he was last season. So now looking on the other side of things, you got Kyle Hendricks 
opening day starter for the Cubs. Not going to be a good Cub season, but you never know. You know, some of these teams sneak up on us. I do believe Burns is going to be one of the top pitches on the slate on FanDuel. He will be kind of popular, but who cares? If he's the best pitcher on the slate, you go roster him. And there's enough value on FanDuel, and we'll talk about all the value. But talk about these Brewers bats. A lot of people are going to look to the Brewers. It's the first game of the slate. They want some action here. I'm not a Yelich guy. I think he's slightly overrated. Um, he had a couple of good years to kind of start his career, but the last couple haven't been good, plagued with injuries. What do you think about this Brewers lineup? Is it a – you're playing on FanDuel. Are you fading this game, or are you just rostering, you know, Corbin Burns with maybe a piece or two from the Milwaukee side of things? Yeah, I'd, I'd probably limit myself to a piece or two. I don't think Milwaukee's my absolute favorite here. Um, you know, if you're looking – I think you want the guys with some pop. You know, you want a guy like Willie Adamas who really flourished outside of Tampa Bay last year once he made the move over to Milwaukee. And he's always had really strong road splits. For whatever the reason was, the guy just could not hit in Tampa. He just didn't like the stadium. He And he, and he talked openly about it after he left. He said it was a struggle. I, I don't really fully understand why, but the proof is in the pudding, man. After he got to Milwaukee, he he just he he smashed the cover off the ball. Yeah. So you want guys like him. Um, you know, a guy like Rowdy Tellez, you know, a, a cheaper end play, lefty bat that has some pop. Guys like that is fine, but I won't be pushing to, like, fully stack Milwaukee given some of the other options we have today. Yeah, I kind of agree with you, man. If you look, with baseball, there's so much variance. Any given day, you know, the Brewers, the worst lineups out there can go out there. Hendricks can have a bad day, and they can smash. And, and you can – Look, stacking is the way to go. So if you're going to go with Milwaukee, yes, you can take a one-off. You want a very, very low-owned stack. I think both these stacks, super under-owned. Um, I wouldn't go the Chicago side of things. I just don't think they have enough pop in this lineup. Unless we get word that the wind is blowing out 20 miles an hour, which could happen at Chicago anytime. You know, this game is pretty much a fade for me. If you need some value, like you said, Telez, power, you know, there's some – 2.2 on FanDuel kind of makes sense, but I'm staying away. Like you said, Adamus smashed last year. Can we expect it again this year? I'm not really sure. For me, it's pretty much a stay away spot. But one spot that we're going to be looking at is Shane Bieber. He is supremely, supremely mispriced on DraftKings. We had three pitchers that were really priced wrong on DraftKings. Bieber is one of them. Otani's the other one. And it would have been Robbie Ray, but that game got canceled and postponed already but whoever's doing DraftKings pricing definitely dropped the ball I think on all three of those pitchers so I expect Bieber to be one of the higher owned pitchers on DraftKings you can play Burns I would play Burns over him on FanDuel but again Kansas City not a team that scares me but they're kind of sneaky at the same time where do you see the upside here for Bieber if you were comparing them on a, on a one-pitcher site on Burns. Is, it, is Burns clearly above Bieber, or does this discount give you some reason to, to go ahead and play Bieber? No, Burns is still ahead of Bieber on FanDuel. On DK, the price is just too low, um, you know, like you mentioned. And right now, he's projecting as the chalkiest pitcher on, on DK. Yeah. I'm not sure I can put up a really strong fight about that. The only real kind of issue – and, and I say issue, you know, maybe it's not the right word, but, like, the Royals don't strike out a ton. They only struck out 21.6% last time, or last year, excuse me. 
That was the fourth lowest in the league against righty pitching. Bieber didn't even hit 100 innings. He had he had injuries on and off. You know, he really kind of wasn't quite the Bieber we'd been accustomed to. But at the same time, man, like every report out of camp is he's been healthy. He's been the Bieber we're, we're normally accustomed to. Uh, you know, he's, he threw April 2nd, 5Ks through three innings. Like that's the Bieber that you're accustomed to. And the thing is, the salary doesn't demand that he's going out there and whiffing eight, nine, ten guys. Like he's he's not even eighty five hundred. You you don't need the same performance when you were paying ten five for Bieber as opposed to eight three. Yeah, little shocked. I'm looking at DraftKings Sportsbook right now. Little shocked that the Cleveland Guardians, whatever you want to call these teams these days, it's going to take me some time to figure things out. Are only a minus one thirty five favorite in the first five innings. I think Granky is a shell of himself. This is one of the first bets I like on the slate. I was also surprised that the Royals are only, you know, they're, they're not that big of underdogs in this matchup where I think Bieber is a clear, better pitcher here. And the Guardians, they, they have some bats. They're not explosive, but they got some guys who can hit. Ramirez, Reyes, Bobby Bradley was picking it up a bit, you know, towards the end of the year. How do you feel about a bet on the first five Indians over the Royals? I definitely don't mind it. The one I kind of have my eye on, and I'm hoping we we get a little bit of word about pitch counts, because that's another thing to like really keep in mind here this first yep. little bit. These guys weren't stretched out to go 100, 105 pitches deep into this game. Most of these pitchers are going to go 85, 90 pitches. At the same time, Bieber's plus money for over 6.5 Ks. If we get to tomorrow – and we know that he's going to go around 90 pitches, I'm going to be looking at that. I know I just said the Royals don't strike out a ton, but plus money for Bieber strikeouts for only seven, that's pretty enticing. Yeah, I, I like that. I like first – like I, I will be betting a lot of first five innings, first three innings, and anytime I see a clear-cut edge in pitching, I will line that up. He's going to be popular in DK. You don't have to play him on FanDuel, get your exposure to Burns. But I like Bieber here. Any bats here against Granke? Uh, Jose Ramirez got paid. Sneaky stack here at all with the Indians. It's in a pitcher's park. Granke, he doesn't get blown up a lot, but we don't know what form of Granke comes out. You know, he's getting older here. Royals bullpen. Any love for a lower-owned, because it's a shorter slate here, a lower-owned Cleveland stack? I do have some interest. I don't know if love's the right word. But I really do like the two-man grouping of Jose Ramirez and Framo Reyes. Because, again, if you're only going to play two, you want guys that have power. Or you want a guy like Jose Ramirez that can steal some bases. You know, you're, you're banking on higher impact plays as opposed to the full stack. But if you do want to go the full stack, I know in Ghost projections, the grouping that grades out really well for him is Ramirez, Reyes, Bobby Bradley, and Stephen Kwan. He's going to be starting uh, tomorrow for for his first game. He's been hitting really well on spring training. He hit over 400. I know it's spring training. I get it, but you know you want you want these new guys to kind of carry some momentum into the season. He's only 2200. Like I know we don't have a lot of high price pitching to pay for, but even you can still open up for Juan Soto or Mike Trout if you pair him with Quan at only 2200 in the outfield. Yeah, listen, that's. There's nothing better than getting a 2K guy to hit a home run or 
you know, a couple doubles. Six. Yeah. Like, a, he's a right in the heart doubles. of that order. Yeah. So these 2K guys are good fillers. If you got a read on this guy, I honestly haven't seen him play as of yet. My eye test, I haven't seen anything of this guy. But 2K to take a shot in the dark against a pitcher who's kind of, you know, towards the end of his career trying to battle to stay on rosters. He's an opening day starter, but he's not an opening day starter that, you know, instills fear in me. So I think there's definitely a a spot to, to pick on here as a lower owned, try to get different type of situation, not loading up. They're not my favorite stack by any means, but a lot of people are going to be stacking this team. I feel like because, you know, one through five or one through six, there's enough power there. We got to see when this lineup rolls out and where Edmund and Carlson and O'Neill all kind of stack up here. I'm seeing different reports of what their starting lineup will be, but you know these Pirates. So talk about Brubaker being an open day starter. Are we going to stack against this dude, you know, for the Cardinals with Arenado and, and Pujols might be back there starting? You know, what's your thoughts here on Brubaker and stacking against them? I don't think I'm going to do the full stack because – I'm not saying Brubaker's a good pitcher. He's not. But this isn't a guy that was like just a complete tomato can out there. You know, it's only a 430 4.30 XFIP, um, 23.3% K rate's not great, but again, it's respectable. The hard hit rate was up over 38%. It's not ideal. But like he just he he had a way of not typically getting just blown out of the water and at least giving you, you know, five innings, three runs. Like, if you do a full stack for that, it's probably not going to pay off exactly the way you want. I think if you're going the Cardinals route, I really think you just focus on those top four guys. It's Carlson, it's Goldschmidt, Tyler O'Neill especially, uh, Nolan Arenado. Arenado had a rough year last year as opposed to what we normally think about him. Tyler O'Neill, on the other hand, just completely, like, broke out, kind of, you know, fulfilled some of the promise. And Brubaker threw the slider a ton to righty, righty hitting last year. Tyler O'Neill against the slider is uh, 298 ISO with a 41% hard hit rate. And if he's getting that glitch like 40% that. of the time, man, Tyler O'Neill, if he gets a hold of one, it's usually not going a short distance. <laughs> yeah, look, this Cardinal stack is interesting. You know, Edmund, whether he's leading off or, or batting last year, a wraparound stack with Carlson, Goldschmidt, O'Neill, maybe Arenado. One thing I want to point out that I just noticed, and I'm sorry to go backwards for a second. I don't know if you noticed this, Adam, but the over-under in this Brewers-Cubs game is 10. That makes me think if Corbin Burns is pitching and the over-under is 10, I'm assuming the wind's blowing out like 25 miles an hour or something ridiculous like that. So we got to take a look at that closer to lock tomorrow. But Vegas has the over-under at 10, which makes me think there's some crazy winds going around, you know, because – Burns, in a typical game, Burns would not have an over-under anywhere near that number. No, it's coming from the Brewers, not the Cubs. Yeah, it's coming from the Brewers, but I think the wind is probably also blowing out. So we got to keep an eye on that weather. We'll have some reports for you in Discord. We do like, you know, a Cardinal stack. Thoughts on Wainwright just to get different. He's a favorite. The Cardinals are favored by minus 210. Over under seven and a half. They got a low scoring game here with the Cardinals heavily favored. Can Wayno do this another year and go out there and impress and get he's getting better with age somehow over the last year or so. What's your thoughts on Wainwright? Yeah, I mean, 
he's 40 years old. It, it can get ugly in a hurry at this age. It's not always uh, graceful, as, as we say. But, man, Wainwright has haunted this team for years. <laughs> like, last year he, he faced him four times. He was never under 27 DK points. I don't Crazy. expect that. I expect a good start out of Wainwright. Like, this lineup is just not good for the Pirates. They didn't strike out as much as you may think, but it was still right around 22 23% against righty pitching. I know that, you know, the strikeout's king when we're talking uh, DFS pitching. Wainwright's not going to give you a ton, but if he goes six, you know, six and two-thirds, one run, only a couple hits, picks up four or five strikeouts along the way, that's easily paying your bills at 7500 and you're getting a W most likely, no most offense likely, to your Pirates, right. but you're yeah. most likely getting a W there, which, you know, some of these other games you can't really clearly say that this team is a favorite with some of these other pitchers. So those bonus points for, for the win could come into account there. Now the Mets are ready to the Mets this year, man. They're already disappointing. DeGrom is out most likely for at least two months here. Now Scherzer is not going to be starting here. Tyler McGill is going to be starting in the first game for the Mets. They're still favored to win this game. Got an over-under of nine here. Patrick Corbin is going on the other side of the ball. Patrick Corbin does not instill any fear in me. The only thing that's fearful is the Mets letting me down. But these power bats of Alonzo, J.D. Davis, super cheap at 2.1 on FanDuel. Uh, McCann, cheap option at catcher, 2.3. Kana, 2.7. A Mets stack is very easy, affordable, and it could pay off with some power here. Corbin hangs a couple curveballs here. I can see this being, you know, a game that could be somewhat of a shootout. You know, the over-under is nine, one of the highest projected games on the slate, tied with the Padres and D-backs, and just slightly under the Brewers game because of possible wins at Wrigley Field here. So talk about your favorite Mets. I'd even mention Lindor or Escobar, or, or Brandon Nimmo, for thoughts on a Met stack here. And even on the backside, man, I think the Nationals, due to the fact that they're one of the worst teams projected to be in the NL East, people are going to forget about guys, maybe not forget about Juan Soto, but forget about guys like Josh Bell and Nelson Cruz in a righty-righty matchup. Thoughts on the Nationals as well? Yeah, on the Met side, uh, it's funny because I actually messaged you, I think, like two nights ago now. Corbin threw the sinker about 36% of the time to righties uh, last season. Uh, Pete Alonso against lefty sinkers so far, uh, it was just a 872 ISO and a 670 WOBA. Like, for anybody, any that's, that. yeah, for anybody that's new to MLB, like those numbers are off the charts. His average distance was 359 feet. I, so I, he's I mean, averaging he, a home, he's right. averaging a home run anytime he faces that pitch pretty much. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous the amount of success Alonzo's had against that pitch. Eduardo Escobar, very, very high numbers himself. 392 ISO, 437 uh, uh, Woba against those, those pitches. Those two guys, Mark Canha and Starling Marte, would be the main focuses of my Mets stack. And I'm, I'm very interested in the Mets stack. They're, they're trending. They're getting popular uh, with the Padres, which we'll get to in a little bit. But... I, I mean, justifiably so. And then on the national side, I don't think I really want to, like, go nuts with a stack, but Juan Soto's probably going to be popular, and I, I can't argue that either. Like, Juan Soto's five grand. 
That's not expensive enough for Juan Soto on the DK side of things. It's just not. No, I agree with that. And shortstop is kind of weak, too. It's not like, you know, with Lindor had a a down season last year. But I think there was some nerves there, maybe a little frustration there, whatever the case may be. Looks like he's going to have a better year this season. At least that's my prediction. He kind of settles in New York a little bit better here. He is, like, do I really want to play... Mondesi versus Bieber, or I no. want to play Alcides Escobar no. over you know over Lindor or right. Danzi Sponson for six hundred dollars more like on DraftKings like default would probably end with Lindor if he ends up being like super super popular we can come off Lindor but like I can't really see myself stacking Lindor I mean stacking the Mets without Lindor either I feel like shortstop is kind of weak let's go with Lindor. He probably will be the most popular, you know, shortstop. So that's a, a reason to fade him. But yeah, but it's, it's nothing it's a, crazy. Like he's the most popular, but it's like twenty three percent. That's yeah. not enough to be like, oh, I have to full fade him. You know, don't don't get not don't talk yourself out of what's a good play just because he's twenty three percent. Exactly. No real love for either pitcher in this game for me. Like I said, the over under is nine. I'm not going to be throwing out McGill or Corbin. So I like the Mets side a bunch. I think even a full game stack and going, you know, maybe a mini stack of the Nationals, maybe two or three pieces, four pieces, whatever the case may be, and riding those Mets, um, you know, for four or five pieces could make a lot of sense. Hopefully this game ends up being a big bullpen game. Shoots over, you know, over 10, ends up being the highest scoring game of the slate, and you kind of game stack it. There's a lot of nice pieces here, and even Josh Bell being cheap. there's, There's cheap pieces on both sides. And Juan Soto, like you said, not that expensive. Cesar Hernandez, who has some pop, can steal a base. He's super cheap, too, so I think he even makes sense. you know. And people will probably not play Nelson Cruz simply because it's righty-on-righty. And he'll probably go supremely under-owned in a nice little mini-stack with Juan Soto and Josh Bell and Hernandez. So I like that. You really like the Atlanta Braves. And I I remember, you know, Tyler being a good pitcher last year being pretty consistent, but you got a different read on him. And one read I do have is a simple fact that it's probably one of the better hitting environments, things that we got to factor in early in the season that hopefully we don't have to deal with, you know, once we get into the summer, it's probably going to be one of the hotter hitting environments. Atlanta is going to be way better than Washington, St. Louis, KC, and Chicago. But Chicago might be good simply because of, you know, the wind blowing out, but it's going to be cold. Like, it's cold on the East Coast. Atlanta being in the South, probably have the best hitting environment, one of the better hitting environments outside of the Angels and the Dimebacks we'll get to next. But tell me why you like the Braves more than most other people. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying Molly's a bad pitcher because he's not. You know, he had a a 27% K rate last season. The ERA was respectable. The exit was 419. So, like, even through some mistakes, his K rate's high enough. Again, K's king in DFS. He he paid off a lot of slates, even when he wasn't necessarily keeping as many runs as you'd like off the board. But the big thing here is he was reverse splits. So to righties, he gave up a 344 Woba and a 218 ISO. That's those are pretty big numbers. And he sits on his fastball almost 54% of the time. If those trends continue, I understand that Freddie Freeman's in LA. Ronald Acuna is not here. Man, the Atlanta Braves lineup just absolutely destroys righty fastballs. I'm talking no hitter in their projected lineup 
other than Travis Dorno has an ISO under 265 against righty fastballs. Uh, don't, don't don't mention Travis Darno as a Met fan. He was a bum for us. He goes everywhere and just mashes the ball now, but he did absolutely nothing for us. But yeah, sneaky, like a lot of DFS players stay away and don't look at reverse splits and all that kind of stuff. They see righty versus righty and they're like, okay, I'm just going to go with Matt Olson or I'm going to go with Eddie Rosario and, and fade the Rileys and, you know, other right-handed bats. Remember though, if you're doing a stack, you're hoping Molly is out of the game in the third or fourth inning then right. there's a very good chance play. they'll be facing a lefty for an inning or two, or they're going to be, you know, a, a, a reliever who doesn't have his best stuff. So these are things that you don't always want to say, okay, I want all the lefties in this lineup. Or I want all the righties in the lineup because things reverse and you're going to get, you're most likely going to get lower ownership in a righty versus righty matchup than you would in a lefty versus righty matchup, just simply because most people understand that lefties hit better against righties and vice versa. So I agree with that. Now on the backside, you wrote up Max Fried in your article. Everybody can go check out Adam's article, pitching. He's got it nailed. Max Fried, where does he lay between all the other guys? Do you have him as one of your top plays, or are you somewhat worried about India and Fam and Aquino? Some of this power could come to bite a guy like Max Fried. So I'm not necessarily – I wouldn't say he's a top play. Um, and really the, the main reason is the salary. The salary is kind of awkward on the slate because he's $700 more expensive than Bieber. Like that's kind of a tough sell, even though the Reds were pretty bad against lefty pitching last season, and they lost Nick Castellanos. They lost one of their best le- or you know lefty matchers out of that lineup. So, th- you know, this lineup was just not that good. It was bottom 10 in a lot of offensive categories. With you know that was with their best hitter through some of the season, for Freed he's picked up a little bit of velocity. Um, the K rate's not exactly what you'd love at nine K for this slate because it, it's under twenty five percent, but his ground ball rate's fifty two percent. So if he's not striking guys out, but he's getting quick ground balls, he can get deeper and deeper into the game. I, I don't really hate him, but the the price tag, especially on DK at nine K, like. I just can't find myself landing on him very often because I, I just migrate to Bieber. I, you know, I can use that $700 somewhere else. Yeah, I think for from an ownership standpoint, there's some reason to play him. He is favored to get the win. DraftKings right now, he's one of the pitchers who doesn't have a K-prop up. I'm assuming maybe might be on some kind of pitch count. So, you know, DraftKings at this point doesn't have a lineup for him. You know, looking at Bieber, six and a half K prop, Wainwright, four and a half, Brubaker, four and a half, kind of surprising. McGill, four and a half, Corbin, three and a half, and Molly's got a four and a half K prop as well. So, kind of interesting to see where these guys land. A a tool that I use pretty much when I'm looking at my lineups, you know, Vegas does a lot of research here. So, you can kind of read between the lines and see what Vegas is predicting based on maybe pitch counts or just. You know, win rates, the Braves are favored. They're almost a minus 200, they're minus 195. So second biggest favorite on the slate. So if you want to pivot off of what could be a very popular Bieber or an Otani, which we're about to talk about, or potentially Darvish, who also might, you know, get some ownership, Freed, because he's priced off, you might just get in there because of ownership and land with the highest projected, you know, raw point scorer simply because he gets to win and, you know, maybe one of these other guys doesn't have the best night. So I think you keep Freed in your player pool. And as far as the bats go, 
Now, I'm going to ride with you. I'm going to ride with the stats. I will have some Braves lineup stacks because, look, on a, on a seven-game slate or a six-game slate, depending on what slate you're playing, DraftKings versus FanDuel, you got to have to have some exposure to some of these teams. Now, I wouldn't put all my money on one lineup, but the Braves are definitely there. Now, Otani, another mispriced starter by DraftKings. Somebody should be fired over there for putting him. Like, you have to, like, really go searching for this dude. Like, up until today, like, he was behind so many other pitchers. It's shocking to me that he's going to be 7K. Look, he could go out there and struggle, but the dude... 3.1 3.1 ERA, struck out 156, whip of 1.09. Was a stud, man. He got better as the season went on. A yep. lot of 30-point games. DraftKings really didn't respect him all year long from what I remember last year. There was, like, no respect to what ended up being one of the best seasons ever. Uh, 7K, how do you come off him? Sell us not to play a Hotani at this point at 7K. Is there a reason to fade him? Because of ownership, or is there a reason maybe these Astros lineup, you know, gets them, or is there a pitch count to worry about? Because look, there, there, we don't know how how much of a string these guys will actually get. You know, like you said, in in a situation that maybe he doesn't go out there and pitch, you know, more than five innings or six innings, there, there could be some worry there. What's what's a reason not to play Otani, and then tell me why we should play Otani. Yeah, as far as not playing him, I mean, I kind of assume almost every pitcher in general is going to be five innings or, or a little bit, you know, right around that mark, maybe start to six. But if they give up a hit, they're going to be out quick. You know, I, I fully expect quick hooks. If you're not playing Otani, the reasons is just use the line. It's good. It's not a pushover by any stretch. They struck out the second lowest rate last year against ready pitching. They were fourth in OPS, fourth in WOBA, fourth in WRC+, fourth in average, like, the only real loss from the lineup was Carlos Correa. You know, a lot of these names and faces we've known from the Astros lineup for the past couple of years. However, Otani had a start where he whiffed 10 hitters. Like, it's Shohei yeah. Otani. <laughs> when he's on the mound and things are going right, he's one of the most lethal pitchers in the business because he has a fastball that hits 100, and then he has an evil splitter that looks like it's Not just, fair. It really isn't. Like, you can see the overlays. And, you know, you're sitting at home, oh, why do you swing at that? And then you see the overlay of the fastball and the splitter that look same exactly thing. the same until about 40 <laughs> feet away from you. And you've yeah. got a, you know, tenth of a second to react. And it's like, oh, that's why he swung at that. So I think if if you're fighting the chalk because he is going to be popular, it's with the lefties from the Astros because that was that was where Otani had the weaker, the weaker side of things. It's Kyle Tucker. It's Jordan Alvarez. If you want to add in Michael Brantley, you can, but he's not typically a home run guy. And I, I tend to like Brantley more when I'm stacking more of the full team. So I think the, the the two-man combo of Tucker and Alvarez is probably the way to go here. Let me ask you another tough question here. With Otani, on FanDuel, he's 10-5. He's paired right close to Shane Beaver, who's 10-4, and he's $700 cheaper than Corbin Burns. If this wind is wicked, on FanDuel, I'm asking, do you like Otani, Bieber, or Burns, assuming that this wind is something that we really have to deal with, with the over-under being 10? Where do you slot in Otani when pricing is in the same level, unlike it is on DraftKings? Yeah, so on FanDuel, you know, it, it's a much closer discussion, but I still have it Burns at 1, uh, Bieber at 2, and Otani at 3. Because honestly, even if the wind's bad in Chicago, you still have to make contact. And yep. 
And with and that Chicago lineup against Burns, that's no guarantee. So I still favor Burns there. And then Beaver, I have a little more, little bit more trust at that price level and then Otani. All right, let's talk about the hitting side of things. Valdez pitched, pitched his balls off last year, man. This guy really stepped up and was pitching great. He had some bad games. He walks a couple of hitters here and there. The Angels always let me down every time I stacked them. Like they didn't, they just they don't do a lot. You know, there's certain games that they they end up being well. Trout, there there's so much value on this slate. I think Trout will be highly owned because his name is Mike Trout, and there's so many 2K guys and Otani's price wrong and you know all that kind of stuff. But where you're at with playing Trout specifically, I want to I want to know your take on Trout. How good of a play is he versus Valdez? And then from an angel stack perspective, a guy like Max Stassi, Rendon, you know, even guys like Otani and, and Walsh, where are you at with this Angels lineup? Yeah, so I mean the thing with Trout is he's not as not as highly owned as I necessarily thought he'd be. And I think a lot of that has to do with Soto being eleven hundred dollars cheaper. Like the gap shouldn't be that wide. But if you are looking to stack, it's pretty much the guys you said. It, it's Trout. It's Rendon, it's Max Stassi, and I'll throw Joe Odell in there too. Um, you know, this was a really hype prospect. You know, he didn't do much, but you guys got to understand, like, prospects all develop differently. Maybe he never develops into something, but, like, maybe that first exposure in the MLB is exactly what he needed, and he comes back ripping the cover off the ball, like we've seen a billion times before with other prospects. You just never know. Like, the sample size with Adele is just not large enough yet to be like, oh, this guy sucks. He didn't do what I thought he'd do. It, now, you need to have some patience with these young guys. It's funny you mention his name because as I'm dabbling, and you'll get to know me a lot more, Adam, when we start doing more of these shows, I love plus money props like our man Tony. And I just while you were mentioning his name, I was looking just at some player props for hitters. Does, does Adele have speed? That's my first question because his prop for a half a stolen base, basically meaning can he get a stolen base, is plus 1,200. Is he a burner if he does get on base because plus 1,200, maybe some love there? He's capable of it. It's not necessarily like the largest part of his game. And against, I mean, at least to start against a lefty, it's it's a little bit tougher to steal. Okay. All right. it, it can be It can be done, though, for him. Yeah, I'm just throwing it out there. We're going to try to find some fun bets to to go ahead and do. And, you know, like similar to blocks, I've been betting some block bets. And to, to just have to root for one to get those opportunities. And it's kind of funny to see certain players out there with these crazy props for, for stolen bases or blocks. Last game of the slate, though, you, Darvish, kind of shocked here, man. It must be a pitch count thing because you, Darvish, is, is, you know, he's had injuries in the past. He has a high walk rate at times, but his pitching props on DraftKings right now for strikeouts kind of surprised me. It was only five and a half um, under Bieber and, and basically over, you know, over five and a half for Darvish seems kind of low. Have you heard anything on his pitch count? And what's your thoughts on Darvish? Because Darvish is a guy, he's one of my guys that typically ends up on a no play zone for me because he burned me year after year after year. Because he can literally strike out seven through four, walk five, and yep. he's out of the game in like four innings or three innings. And he's the most frustrating of pitchers for me. But he's got lights out stuff, and he could be electric on any given night. Any word, though, on pitch count on this guy? Because I, I find it slightly surprising that his K prop is only five and a half against what should be a kind of weak 
hitting. You know, the D-backs aren't that good, man. Like, I don't know half of these names late in the lineup here. And even at the top of the lineup, losing some bats to free agency. I'm not really worried about the D-backs, are you? No, I'm really not. I mean, you could argue outside of the Pirates, uh, this is probably the easiest matchup of the entire slate. And, I, you know, I wouldn't give you much pushback. They were bottom two in ISO, OPS, WOBA, and WRC Plus last last year. Struck out just under 25% of the time. Like, they were they were a bad offense. The only problem is, you Darvish, you just kind of never knew what you were going to get. A 1.52 home run per nine, 3.90 FIP, which, <clears throat> you know, for his standards, kind of getting up there a little bit. I have him in honorable mention. And if if it dictates that I have to play him in cash, I will. But in GPP, that's a guy that I'm fine fading and just paying $1,200 less for Bieber and just letting things go where they go and being happy with it. You know, one thing I'm interested in to see, too, you know, with the, the National League now getting a DH, do these pitchers get that extra chance to go out there and finish an inning or two when it's a tight game, you know, as a guy on first and second and he's at 70 pitches, and they need to score runs, he would have been pinch hit for, but now in a case where there's a DH, do these guys get a little bit longer of a leash? I know it's tough first couple weeks. We don't really know that, but Darvish is – he's definitely in play. He's definitely in play. Unless unless I see a pitch count that says, you know, 65, 70, then I'm totally off him. But I know you're not a fan, and sometimes our our good friend, uh, Brian Tulak, will get on me on this, but – have you seen some of the numbers against Bumgarner, like a Will Myers or a Machado or any of these guys as far as BVP? No, because I don't look at them. <laughs> there you go. Cause I, cause Let I me just care. tell you, Will Myers, eight for 30, five home runs. I think Machado, six for 30, <clears throat> three home runs. Tatis, who would have been in the lineup, you know, he mashed him as well. This lineup – Cronenworth even three for seven, not a big sample size, three for seven, a home run. They've got pop to begin with. And Bumgarner is, you know, he's he's towards the end of his career. He's got to reinvent themselves. He had a couple good games. He had a a technical no-hitter, whatever the hell you wanted to call what happened last year. What was it? Like a shortened, was it a five yeah, inning game because was, of all it that? A, it was a seven inning doubleheader. Seven inning double hitter, double header game where he technically got one, but the Padres are probably close to my favorite stack. I, I love Luke Voigt's price. I love Will Myers' price. Machado is affordable enough at what could be a, a weaker third base position. I really like these guys. Austin Nola cheap. You got to squeeze in Profar or Kim, whoever's starting at the bottom of the lineup. And don't be scared off by Cronenworth. This guy, he might be their best hitter. Just putting that out there for the Padres. I know Machado's got the name. I know Tatis got the name, but this guy is a professional hitter. He can hit lefties. It's not like Mad Bum is overpowering at this point of his career. So I do like Cronenworth as well. Padres, my favorite stack. If the Brewers, I don't want to get sucked into the Brewers because of win, but if the, if the win is like 25 miles an hour in Wrigley, I'm going to shift some ownership on Fandle. Luckily on DraftKings, we don't have to worry about that. But Padre is my favorite stack. Are they your favorite stack, or you got teams above them at this point? They are not my favorite stack, and I actually pushed an update to the rotation about two hours Uh-oh. ago. Oh, I didn't read the, that yet. So I know so. the the 
the ultimate leverage on this slate is playing Madison Bumgarner. And, and listen. Besides ownership, tell me why he's still a good pitcher. It's, so it's not just ownership. So you say he's on the tail end of his career, and he's he's had a bad couple seasons. You know the dude's still only 32. I, I was and he's shocked. a stud, too. Like I, I was I, respect- I couldn't believe that. I thought he was like 36, 37. <laughs> it just feel, he's the kind of guy that, like, He's he feels been pitching older. forever. You just you yeah. feel like he's been pitching for 20 years now. But I respect the shit out of him because he's a gamer. Like he's like right. you would you wouldn't want to get in a fight with this dude. He would kill one of us if he saw it. Like he's a big dude gamer. And I, I, I wish he was hitting too, because he's probably one of the best hitters on and that lineup. For but... a pitcher, yeah, he's he's one of the best best hitters. <laughs> so listen, his his last season's bad. There's really no getting around it. 4.89 XFIP, only a 20% K rate, but some things that stand out. Even with a sub-average K rate, he was still over-league average at 29.1% for called and swinging strike rate, which really surprised me. He was 5% under the MLB average for strand rate. So that means he got a bit unlucky with his BABIP. The BABIP itself wasn't out of line, but when it happened was bad luck for him because he got a few more runs than he probably should have deserved. He's up 2.1 miles per hour in spring training. He's whiffed 10 hitters in 11 innings. It's spring training. It's not always transferable. That's not what I'm saying. But this is a tangible difference in what he's doing. And on top of that, San Diego sucked versus left-handed pitching last season. They were 24th in in WRC+, 24th in Woba, 24th in OPS, 26th in ISO, and that was with Tatis through a good chunk of the season. Yes, Tatis missed time last year, too. But this is generally the same offense that they're bringing from last year in, which is the only addition being Luke Voigt. His fastball cutter curve mix was pretty much his main thing, 113 strikeouts with that. San Diego was 26 against the fastball. They were 10th against the cutter, but they were dead last against the curve, and that's generated 47 of the 113 strikeouts for Bumgarner. There's so much chalk going to the Padres. That's not inconceivable that some of the some of the uh, additions that he's made in his velocity in spring training don't transfer immediately. If he goes out there and throws five innings, even four strikeouts, holds him to one run, he just completely busted up that whole the the most popular sack on slate. Leverage is definitely there. It's not like the D backs are big underdogs; they're only plus one thirty five. He will probably strike out three, four. Maybe five, you know, and he can get to five if he's on his game. He still has some electricity, and from a leverage standpoint, like I'll never really tell you to go play a bum in NBA. Like, there's really no reason to play a bum in NBA. But what can be conceived as a bum in MLB, twenty percent of the time, will be in the winning lineup. Like, there's no if, ands, or but about it. The, The stats, everything will say the Padres are the best stack on the slate, and then somehow, some way. Madball made his Wheaties today, and he strikes out six, goes six innings scoreless, gets to win at 5,900. It just happens to be the right play. And then by doing so, you end up fading the Padres, who shit the bed. And then on right. top of that, now you free up more salary. Right. Trout hits a home run. Soto hits a home run. You got Braves both these go guys off. in your lineup, and then right. your lineup goes off. So exactly. when it and comes thing- down to baseball – Variance is king. Yes. And I always try to explain it to people. I always explain it to people. Trout, who quote unquote was the best player in baseball and on his team, which he's no longer anymore at this point, could be in the best, juiciest matchup against a lefty. 
and go over four yep. and hit four goes. balls on the nose, yep. line drive, 360 feet, dead center, on a note, like right there, but they get caught just because of positioning, shifts, whatever the case may be. Yep. He gets a zero. He's 30% owned. And the guy that nobody was looking at because he had a righty-righty matchup like a Nelson Cruz hits two home runs, and he's the guy who's 4% owned that goes nuts. And you need, if you want to take down, uh, you know, 100K lineup. So while, while we're talking out all the best plays, you got to be thinking on the backside, well, what can happen if the Padres don't go off? Who's the pitcher that you want to get that leverage? And it is Mad Bum. So think about that. And what I always suggest in MLB, and I really don't suggest it as much in NBA. NBA, you can play optimal lineups and really have a chance, I feel like. I don't really stress as much ownership, especially if you're going after single entries. But in MLB, even in a single entry, it does make sense, like Brian used to do all the time, the Rays are just as good of a hitting team as the Yankees on any given day. They can go out and smash at 5%, and the Yankees will typically be in the same matchup, 20 30% owned. So always think about that. Right. So, Adam, my favorite stack, I'll give it a tie. You sold me off the Padres a little bit. It's the <laughs> Mets. It's the Mets and the Padres. That was my original stack. I do think the Brewers could go off. The wind's going crazy. The Braves and Cardinals would be secondary stacks for me. and. You know, I can see a way that maybe the Angels as well could be sneaky, but I say the Nats are more sneaky and in a better spot. So my ownership at this point probably goes Mets and Padres in my optimal, you know, trying to take down a tournament stack. I like the Nats, Braves, and Cardinals kind of tied. Those will be my secondary stacks. And then on a fan duel, I'll get some exposures to the Brewers. My favorite pitches on DraftKings are going to be Bieber and Otani. Kind of chalk there, but I, I think there's a way that they both smash their value as long as pitch counts are okay. And if I need like a secondary type pitcher, I think Wainwright yep. is set up against you know an easier matchup. And Max Freed, he can go out there and strike out a bunch of hitters as well. So Freed maybe has some ownership, but I'm not in love with that. Who's your favorite stack? Give me a home run call as well, and give me your gas can. Who do you think is going to get blown up tomorrow? You know, it's opening day, so I don't really think there's much of a gas can. I mean, the field obviously says it's Bumgarner. I don't think anybody <laughs> just gets absolutely leveled here. So I don't think there's necessarily a gas can of the slate. My favorite stack is still the Braves, and I think Adam Duvall is one of one of my home run calls of the day. I had 41 home runs last year. Like, what? I don't. I have no memory of that whatsoever. I, I don't. Like, I don't know how that? the Braves. I don't know how the Braves won the World Series. And similar to you, we were talking about Duvall and on the Series XM show. We we're talking about he had a matchup versus like Harper or somebody. I was like, who would take Adam Duvall? And then I look at the home run. I'm like, oh, maybe this is why we take him because he had this many home runs. Like yeah. I didn't notice it. I still don't know how the Braves won. You know, being a Met fan, I, I don't get it. I don't think they deserved it, but. They made those moves, and these guys played out of their minds. So, more credit to the Braves. Uh, my home run call. Let's 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 start the year off right. Let's go, Alonzo. You're telling yeah. me he's averaging a crazy exit velocity. The ball is flying off his bat against pitchers like Corbin. So, I'm gonna go Alonzo. I like my Mets stack, and that's pretty much it. Anything you want to put on, you know, as far as you know, the show. Any any calls before we head out of here? Um, 
I'll say I'll just say the Braves are are the, one of the components of a takedown lineup tomorrow. All right, calling this shot on the Braves. Do the Pittsburgh Pirates get a win tomorrow? No, absolutely not. All right, don't forget my bet. I like I like the Cleveland Indians first three, first five. Adam's going to be producing the pitcher article pretty much every single day of the week, doing a ton of streams. So be to, be on the lookout for more. We're out of here. Everybody enjoy opening day. If you have a chance to cut out of work or skip school, whatever it is, go to opening day. It's one of the best times of the year. You get a fresh start. I enjoy it, and I'll probably end up there when the Mets come home in a week or so, whenever that actually happens. Hopefully it's not so cold because it'll be freezing cold. But everybody have a good day. Enjoy opening day. Baseball is back, and we'll be back every single day with a live stream for you guys.